millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Ministry of Veterinary Group, joining me. Good afternoon to you. Jane, you're very welcome. Let me go straight into questions for you, starting with Anne. Question for Jane, please. I have what I would describe as a fine, healthy looking rescue lab. He's about four years of age. Now, she drinks, she, she drinks a lot of water and her urine is very smelly. Last year, I had her urine checked for infection. We also had her checked for diabetes. Everything was, was clear and uh, at the checkup and all is good. But I'm just wondering why would she have strongly smelling urine? Could there be what other reason would, would it be for that? And she, But she does drink a lot of water. Okay, so I think first steps are taken care of. You sound like you've attended the vet, got a urine sample done and all always clear. So that's quite reassuring. Reasons for smelly urine, really top of our list is always infection. So if it really is quite stinky, you know, Sometimes we can catch a sample at a time where there might not be a high infection load within the bladder. So it may be worth chatting to your vet about whether they think it is worth repeating the sample just to make sure because really top of my list for smelly urine is infection. Now, other things that can cause smelly urine. Um, in a female dog, I, there's, there's fewer causes than in males. So in males, sometimes they can have kind of a, it's almost like pheromones on the urine and that can make it quite stinky. But in a female Sometimes if they're holding the urine in their bladder for quite a while, so if let's say they're inside the house for a large portion of the day and not being left out frequently enough to pee, you know, a big pool of urine within the bladder can sometimes become quite strong and quite strongly smelling if it's very concentrated. So that may be one cause. As regards the drinking a lot, um, drinking is quite variable. Normally it should be about two mils per kg of body weight per hour they drink. Now, that's quite a scientific way of working it out. But what you can do is have a discussion with your vet about the frequency with which your pet is drinking, and they may suggest doing a water monitoring trial. So essentially, that just means measuring out how much water they're getting at the start of the day. Let's drink it for a full 24 hours, and then assessing how much is left at the end of the day. And your vet will be able to do a little calculation just like that to let you know if that's an appropriate amount for your dog to be drinking or if it's an inappropriately high amount for your dog to be drinking. Sometimes they can just go and have a little sip of water, but it looks like they're always at the bowl. And then other times they can really be drinking quite a lot and always at the bowl because they're extra thirsty for, as our, as our listener kind of said, diabetes, urine infections, kidney problems. So it, 
is worth keeping a little eye on this, particularly if it's persisting. And it's worth letting your vet know that it's still going on. Because I think as a vet, a lot of the time, one thing we're always concerned about is that we'll see these dogs run some tests, things might come back normal and we'll put a plan in place for if things don't improve or if things deteriorate. And I suppose you're at home with your pet and if you've noticed that things are still lingering on, yes, it's reassuring that the initial tests have ruled out some major problems, but it's always worth flagging with your vet that it's still going on because, you know, we don't know unless you tell us, so I think it might be worth just flagging it again and, it, and they'll they'll guide you depending on the results they've already found as to if there's any other investigations that need to be done or samples that need to be repeated. Okay, Helen has a Yorkie male uh, almost a year and a half old, uh, not neutered yet. When I take him for a walk, he's fine. He'll go to the loo, does his business and all of that. But as soon as he comes back into the house, he'll go to the toilet again. No matter how long he's been out, no matter how long the walk is, he'll always come back in and go to the toilet inside in the house. Why would he be doing that? I think this little fellow's got into quite a habit of doing it properly when he comes back. So dogs are creatures of habit. This little dude has probably formed the habit once he gets back inside peeing to either mark his territory again once he gets back or because his surroundings may smell to him, even not to the human nose it might not smell, but because their sense of smell is so strong, it might smell of his own urine. And once a dog marks an area as kind of a safe toileting spot, a lot of the time they will kind of reinforce that smell by peeing there regularly because they've designated that as their little toilet. So you really need to try and break that habit as best you can. It sounds like you're taking him for really great walks. He's having lots of opportunities to pee outside. So I think that sounds like that's taken care of. Um, First thing I would do is make sure that the area where he always pees is spotlessly clean with a pet safe cleaner to get rid of any lingering smells of ammonia. And as I say, we might not smell it, but they will. So make sure it's absolutely sparkling clean because if there's any residue there, he'll be tempted to go and repeat the behaviour. And what I would say is that it is worth keeping and bearing in mind that there might be some underlying health issue that might cause this. So very similar to our last caller, just taking him to the vet for a little check over, maybe running a urine sample just to make sure that his urgency to pee isn't increased. But I think in a young, healthy dog, otherwise it's very unlikely to be an underlying health issue. It's more likely to be behavioural. So clean the area, take him for lots of walks. And as soon as he pees inside, I think the worst thing you could do is reprimand him because a lot of the time that only serves to make him be more secretive about the behaviour. So let's say he has an accident inside. The best thing to do is keep your cool, take him outside to pee or try and interrupt the pee and take him outside to complete any kind of like shouting or anything like that. He'll just continue to do the behaviour. He'll just try and be more secretive about it. This is going to take a little bit of time to reform that habit into something normal so that he's peeing outside, but it's worth sticking with it. And if you're struggling, it can be beneficial to get a behaviourist involved just to assess if there's any other other causes in, in the particular home or his particular situation that might be causing that to happen. Okay, listen wants to know advice, please. What's the best barking collar that you can get trying to stop a dog from barking? Or are you a fan of barking collars? Uh, I'm 100% not a fan thought, of barking collars. I thought collars. you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, so barking collars, they work in two ways. Sometimes they'll emit a noise when they have the vibration of a bark near them. So they start to interrupt the bark. A lot of the time these don't work. They just serve to annoy the dog more and then they're barking because they don't know why the hell there's a beep coming out of the noise around their collar. And other times it can emit a shock, which sounds quite 
kind of brutal in a sense that when the vibration of the bark happens near the collar, it'll emit a small electric shock to try and discourage the behaviour. These are not things I would recommend. Um, what you need to look at is not stopping the behaviour itself, but looking at what's causing the behaviour to occur in the first place. So generally dogs, if they're excessively barking, excessively vocalising, it's usually boredom, fear or stress. So you need to have kind of a, a hard look at the environment and say, well, is there anything that could be stressing my little dog out? Is there anything that could be done to relieve his boredom? So to give him more kind of brain work to do. So engaging with more walks, more sniff walks, more kind of interaction with him, more training to get that brain working and satisfied so he's more relaxed. Or is there anything he could potentially be fearful of in the environment? So I wouldn't recommend barking collars. They don't tend to work. And really, a lot of the time, if it is fear, stress or anxiety that's causing the problem, it can perpetuate it further. This is one that if it's causing a problem, I'd advise getting a veterinary behaviourist involved and your own vet will be able to let you know who locally they've worked with and would recommend as a, a fully qualified professional. Okay, Sandy has contacted us from the ROAR, the West Cork Animal Welfare Organisation, just to say, hi Patricia and Jane, would you please give a reminder to listeners, it'll be kitten season in a few months, so please get your cats neutered, especially if you're feeding a feral cat. It's important, isn't it? It's really, really important. And I think there are a huge amount of feral cats and hence unwanted kittens out there in this country. And it is very preventable. I think spaying is always the responsible choice. Um, Particularly with feral cats, it can always be a challenge to to catch them. But some charities do trap, neuter and release. Well, that's what Roar do in in West Cork. They're a brilliant group, yeah. and that's absolutely brilliant work to do because that's, that's controlling the cat population. And also it's healthier for them. They don't have the stress of getting pregnant multiple times throughout their life. And we know that one unspayed cat through all of their progeny can be the, you know, can result in hundreds of thousands of other cats down their generational lines. So it is really trying to nip the problem in the bud, control the population and preserve the health of the feral cat population itself. Okay. All right. We leave it there. Listen, we'll chat again next uh, Thursday in the meantime. Thank you for that and have a good week. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon to you, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.